This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. Screen time is a huge problem in families. That's what I talked about in the last episode. But it's not a problem in the way you may have been thinking. For the past decade, parents have been feeling guilty about letting their kids use digital media and conflicted when they ban it for their kids. We talked in episode 23 about how to enhance the benefits of our online lives, how to create limits, and how to teach our children to be good digital citizens. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and take a listen. We talked about what you can do on an individual level in your family for your kids and for yourself. But one of the biggest problems about screen time is that everything is designed to manipulate us, to buy things, to spend time online. And the online world also has safety risks. One of the projects that is working on this problem is at the American Academy of Pediatrics National Center of Excellence on Social Media and Youth Mental Health. This is a grant-funded program that is gathering data and information to provide education and help support kids' mental health as they navigate social media. Dr. Jenny Radeski is co-medical director at the center. She specializes in developmental and behavioral pediatrics at the University of Michigan Medical School. Her research examines the use of mobile technology by parents and children. We talked and she offered some of the solutions they're working on at the center and what she hopes to see happen. Every social platform has ways to like block or curate or give feedback about your feed. I wish there were more. I wish there was more like user agency around, this is what I want my feed to look like. (laughs) I don't want that kind of toxic stuff peeping in, even if it's trending. So that's something that at the Center of Excellence, we're definitely telling, you know, we work uh, on a tech expert panel with some reps from the tech companies, and we're giving them the feedback of what we're hearing from families, that if they want more control, they want a more predictable experience. What I also think is is a challenge around this is that because social media is this environment that kids are experiencing that's driven by business approaches and profit motives and quarterly earnings calls, there's only so much change we can make to individual behavior, but we we are going to need more policy and more changes on the design level, on the digital environment level to make this easier for families. So I just want to say that off the bat because we have this five-year grant from the federal government to create resources for families and teachers and clinicians. And we basically are being asked to be 
the national experts to share our information, to let people know what does the evidence say and what does it not say? What are some practical ways to move forward positively about this, to make sure that kids are getting the most out of social media if they are on it? And how to guide families to say, well, here's some alternatives. If you don't want your child on social media, how about having a device that can message or can FaceTime, or maybe you play some shared games together, but, but you don't need the, all the other levels that social media brings. Specifically, some of the things that developmental specialists are suggesting happen or they're working on are including integrating developmental specialists and educators to help create digital interfaces. That means we've got developmental behavioral pediatricians helping to create the way that kids interact with digital media. And they're advocating for a formal system for evaluating products before the app or the game is allowed to make educational claims. We also can lobby to not have apps created or marketed to kids under the age of 18 months. In terms of the technology, there are a number of things that can be done, including not allowing videos to automatically advance. So that wouldn't be the default setting in an app. And our kids are very happy to just sit there and keep watching. So we've got to come up with technological solutions to not let them just keep watching video after video. Dr. Radeski's research found some surprising things about so-called educational apps for kids. And here's what she learned. I think the thing that is most interesting about our app research is that we went in looking to analyze how educational are the apps that kids play. We um, went in with like coding approaches that we're looking at, you know, do they teach letters and numbers well? Do they like let kids learn new skills? But what we mostly found were ads. <laughs> we found lots of ads because so many of these free apps are ad supported. That's how the app developers monetize. So in the education category in the app store, that's what you're finding. Yes. Oh, yes. Of course, there are developers like Sesame Street, like PBS Kids, where they don't have ads. There's others like Toka Boca that are, you know, these kind of like creative silly apps that don't have ads. What was surprising about it is that we found, okay, there's, there's a class of apps that are good and educational. There's a whole bunch that are labeled as educational, but mostly they are vehicles to make money off of kids' attention. And so we found lots of ads. And then we did some follow-up studies to say, okay, well, what are the ways that apps try to convince kids to click on ads, to make in-app purchases, or to watch longer? And that's where we called it manipulative design, because there's all these sneaky ways that when you're interacting with a website or an app, it can nudge you in one direction or another. For example, if you are on an e-commerce website and they're like, hurry fast, this is about to go. Like you have, to, they're fabricating time pressure to influence your decision-making. So we were looking for that in kids' apps to say, where are they trying to influence kids' decision-making in a way that's not really fair because you're a, you're a kid. So you may not understand when someone's fabricating time pressure, when they have that little countdown clock, when you've just finished a level of subway surfers and they're like, oh, the time is counting down. You better click this button. So how do we teach kids about this manipulative design so that they can make their own decisions? Uh, I think you play with them when you can. It's hard for kids under eight, nine, or 10 to really understand manipulative design because they all just see it 
on very face value. I remember playing with my son once when we were playing like a Masha and the Bear app that had all of these little treasure chests that dance. And if you watch an ad, you get to open a treasure chest. And I was like, what do you think of that? And he was like eight at the time. He was like, I'm so good at this game. I keep getting treasure. Kids under about age eight or nine, they can't tell the difference between advertisements and information and facts. It's frankly unethical for app companies to advertise to children in this way. They just can't tell the difference. The Center of Excellence on Social Media and Youth Mental Health is taking a broad approach to help families navigate digital media in a healthy way. Here's how they're approaching this work. What's important with our Center of Excellence on Social Media and Youth Mental Health is that, number one, we want to start from the earliest ages to develop these healthy emotional relationships with technology. Number two, we want to recognize that every child's different. So there may be some kids where it's no biggie. They don't really have a problem with YouTube or social media, but other kids do. They get stuck. They really, really, really want it. And we want to individualize some of our guidance for kids who are just wired a little differently or they've had different emotional experiences. And third, we want to reduce the shame around the conversation. So it's very much practical, like, okay, let's talk about what else your kid needs to help them develop mental health throughout their life. We're going to need enough sleep. We're going to need a sense of who am I? What am I good at? What activities do I love to do other than technology? Who are my friends? What do they know about me? What do they like about me? How do I regulate my feelings, right? And I think if through the center, if we can focus on building those skills in addition to tips about social media and technology, then we'll be doing our job at the end of this five years. If we were just telling parents, put your phone away, limit your screen time, we would just be reinforcing the current narrative that exists around this that I think has not been helping and has been making parents feel like it's all on their shoulders. You're not alone. The effects of media use on our health is something we're all working on together. And your first job is to let go of your stress about your kids' media use. Thank you to Dr. Jenny Radeski and the team at the center. For updates on the project, you can follow her on Twitter, at Jenny Radeski. If you appreciate me sharing this kind of important work, please let me know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And let me know what other important topics you'd like to hear more about. For more from the pediatrician next door, find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com. If you've got a question about the weird things kids do, send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. This show is produced by Red Rock Music. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening. I'll be back next time with more.